You know, there's been a lot of movies that have come out recently on heaven and people who have gone to heaven and spoke to Jesus. And some of them are compelling. What is heaven really like? What does the Bible say about heaven? What does the Bible teach about it? And what might it look like? What are the colors? Who's there? What's going on? An open door into heaven today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, and podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part one of Revelation 4, A Door Open in Heaven. All right, we're in Revelation chapter 4 tonight as we look at a door open in heaven. Revelation 4, we're going to be looking at the whole chapter, verses 1 through 11 tonight. I'm sure if you've been around the church long enough, you probably have had a lot of incredible worship experiences and uh, worshiping to music and uh, just, you know, having time to connect with God is such an awesome thing. And I know it's often been described as entering into the throne room of God. Sometimes we might say, man, that worship leader brought us right into the throne room. And that's a cool way to say that we really got a glimpse of God's glory in worship. Well, tonight, literally, we are going to go into the throne room of God. We are going to look at one of the most detailed descriptions of the throne room of God in all the Bible. It's found in Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to get a glimpse of the glory of God tonight through the eyes of John and his inspired pen. I'm sure as you've uh, been looking at the... uh, just the world and maybe Hollywood movies. We've had a lot of people try to tell us stories about heaven, depict heaven. There's been some compelling uh, stories and some accounts of people who have, you know, had an experience in some manner. And you, I leave that to you to test the veracity of those experiences. But tonight we're going to get an inspired look at the throne room of God. And we're going to see how John describes it. And uh, when you think about the subject of heaven, let me just mention to you that I've, I ran into somebody, it was some years ago, and he goes, he said, the Bible doesn't talk that much about heaven. And I'm like, well, yes, it does. The Bible mentions heaven 500 times. So I, I would say that that's a pretty comprehensive, at least use of the word of heaven. But I will say this, admittedly speaking, what heaven is like and descriptions of it, you know, are a bit scant in the Bible. It's mentioned a lot. We're, we're told things about heaven and that it is the abode of God. But here we're going to get a, a very close view into the very throne room of God. So before we do that, let's pray. Father God, as we uh, come before the book of Revelation again and study this revelation, this apocalypse of Jesus Christ and what is ahead in our world. We've looked at seven churches and the word of God to those churches, Lord, and we could find ourselves certainly in the rebukes and the uh, uh, commending of these churches. And now we're going to kind of change gears and move into a heavenly scene. And we're going to ask some questions about why this happens at this specific time. But we know that you have a purpose, Lord, for causing us to look above to look beyond our circumstances, to look past the temptations and trials of this world that so easily entangle us and the crises and the temptations. And, and we need to get a fresh look at the throne room, of, throne room of God. And I pray 
that you would imprint these images in our heart, Lord, because they're biblical and they will help us as we deal with the, the trials and tribulations and the temptations of the evil one to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, to look above and not to look on the things of the earth. So help us tonight, Lord, as we look, look into your word and we pray that it would look into us tonight and go deep into our hearts. In Jesus' holy name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So the book of Colossians tells us something. Before we jump into Revelation 4, something that's uh, important to see. Go back to Colossians 3 just to remind you um, what the Apostle Paul says. Colossians 3, look at verse 1. Hold your place in Revelation 4. We'll, we'll return in a moment. He says these words. He says, if then, Colossians 3, 1, you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, in light of who Christ is, who you are in him, and keeping your eyes above, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead, to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. The book of Revelation is going to transition in large part to the wrath of God. It is coming, but the wrath of God is coming to those who rebel against the good news of the gospel. And in them you also once walked, verse 7, when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Back to Revelation 4. Fixing our eyes on things above. That's what we're going to look at tonight. An open door into heaven. Uh, I'm sure that you and I could all admit, uh, even though we're not probably in a rush to make it to heaven <laughs> because we want to live and we have people we love here and all of that. But if I asked you about some of the deepest longings of your soul, I think high up on my list, perhaps at the top of my list, is going to be to see the face of God. Would you agree? I want to see God. I, I long to see God, to look upon the creator and sustainer and redeemer of my soul. And one day the Bible says that we are going to look upon him that was pierced for our transgressions. And at the end of uh, seven letters to seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, all of a sudden, before we shift to uh, the future judgment, we're going to see in Revelation 4 and 5 a scene of heaven. We're going to see the Lamb there. We're going to see the Holy Spirit. We're going to see angels before the throne. We're going to see 24 elders. We'll talk about different viewpoints of who they are and what's going on. And the question is, why at this point do we come to a view of heaven? I think partly because we have seen churches dealt with, and most of them in some way get rebuked or corrected for wrong behavior on the earth. James Hamilton says it well, and this is important to lead us in. He says, our need for this text is much the same as the need of the seven churches to which John sent their letters. 
We know from what Jesus said to them in the seven letters that they had lost their first love, Ephesus, Revelation 2.4. They were about to be killed for their faith, Smyrna, Revelation 2.10. They were tempted by false teaching, Pergamum, Revelation 2.14 and 15. They were tolerating false prophets, that's Thyatira. She had led some into sexual immorality and, and idolatry, Revelation 2.20. The church was dead in Sardis, Revelation 3.1, persecuted in Philadelphia, Revelation 3.8 and lukewarm in Laodicea, Revelation 3, 14 through 22. And we left last time we were together in Revelation with Jesus standing at the door and what? Knocking at the church. And he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. He was inviting the church at Laodicea and really the church of all time to intimate fellowship with him. And he said, he who overcomes, I will grant, Revelation 3.21, to sit down with me on my throne as also I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Notice the repetition of the throne. Notice the repetition of the idea of knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. (laughs) The door is open now in heaven to get a glimpse in. Jesus has been knocking at the door of the church of Laodicea, but it seems like it's difficult for him to come in. And we said the handle of the door is on our side, but the door is open to John in heaven. Jesus said in John 14, behold, I go and prepare a place for you. Heaven is my father's house, and in that house are many mansions or many dwelling places. And John, who was a disciple of the Lord now, uh, is going to get a glimpse into heaven. Hamilton goes on, he says, perhaps our spiritual state matches one of these situations. The things of God have begun, begun to lose their luster. Maybe you're struggling with the sacrifices facing you. Perhaps you find yourself more interested and engaged by sinful pleasures. Maybe you are captured by pornography, video games, uh, you name it. Everything else in life is, is taking precedence over your life. Well, you need a fresh view of the throne room of God. Perhaps you find yourself, he said, engaged in sinful pleasures. We need to see God as John describes him in his throne room. We need, to, we need the words of this passage to reach out of the page and grip our hearts with the very glory of God. It throbs with God's majesty and power to transform your life and mine, to give you a reason to live, to purify you from every defilement, to take you all the way home. This is what has always faced the church, and not just people in the church. People in the world tonight are wondering if they have reasons to live. They're wondering if there's something transcendent, if there's something beyond the mundane, if the sacrifices I make really matter, if God really sees my pain and my anguish, if if I'm living for something that's truly going to last. And so we need to see God on his throne. And John opens Revelation 4, verse 1, by saying, after these things, ESV, NIV says, after this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things, ESV, NIV, say after this. Now, if you go back to Revelation 1 and look at verse 10 for a second, you'll notice that the voice 
that John describes. He says, I was in the spirit, Revelation 1.10, in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a, a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. That is the voice of Jesus Christ. The loud, powerful, commanding voice of Jesus signifies his power and his authority. You've been listening to the Walk in Truth Weekend Program. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. John opens Revelation 4, verse 1 by saying, After these things, ESV, NIV says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things, ESV, NIV, say after this. Now, if you go back to Revelation 1 and look at verse 10 for a second, you'll notice that the voice that John describes, he says, I was in the Spirit, Revelation 1.10, in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a, a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. That is the voice of Jesus Christ. The loud, powerful, commanding voice of Jesus signifies his power and his authority. And here, John is granted this vision of this heavenly scene, and the voice says, come up here. There's an invitation to come up and look and peruse the throne room of God. Think of where John is right now. He's catapulted in the spirit into heaven, but right now, physically, where does he remain? On the island of what? Patmos. Some sort of... uh, Island where he's been uh, banished by the Roman government, the Roman authorities. He's probably lonely. He's an old man. He's lost all of his friends and fellow disciples. And here he is with an invitation to come up and see the glory of God. John Walvert says the invitation to come up hither is so similar to that which the church anticipates at the rapture that many have connected the two expressions. It is clear from the context that this is not an explicit reference to the rapture of the church, as John was not translated into heaven. In fact, he was still in his natural body on the island of Patmos, close quote. So this is not the rapture, but this is John seeing the throne room of God. The church has not been taken up yet, but what he is seeing is something very similar to the way that Ezekiel 1.1 says that Ezekiel was transported. He says, while I was by the river Chebar among the exiles, the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. That's Ezekiel 1.1. Ezekiel's vision has great similarity to that of the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4 says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up into the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. He heard things that he was not permitted to speak. 
He saw things that he doesn't record here, but he was caught up to the third heaven. Scholars say that's the abode of God. Paul says, I don't know if I was in the body or outside the body, but what I do know is that I heard inexpressible words that I'm not permitted to tell. After these things, Revelation 1.19, as we suggest that this is a good outline for the book of Revelation, John is told, Revelation 1.19, write, therefore, the things which you have seen, the things, I think the things which you have seen is the revelation of Jesus Christ leading up to this point in chapter one, the things which are, is a reference to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, and the things which shall take place after these things is a, rapt, uh, excuse me, is a um, reference to the future of what's going to be recorded in chapters 4 and following. And what's going to be recorded is incredible stuff, but most of it, especially Revelation 6 through 18, is judgment. A lot of what is coming is judgment on an unbelieving world, and the wrath of Almighty God is going to come down. So come up here, he's invited, and I will show you what's going to take place after these things. He says, immediately, I was in the spirit, Revelation 4, 2, and behold, there before me a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne Uh, as he communicates now the throne and God's authority. I was in the spirit. In the spirit is something that's used, I think, four times in the book of Revelation. Each time it's used, it marks a turning point in the book. Revelation 1.10, if you want to write these down, 4.2, what we have before us, 17.3 and 21.10. What does this mean to be in the spirit? It means that John is now ready to receive the revelation of God. He is in the spirit. He is open to the revelation that God is about to give. It could be under the spirit's power, something like a trance. But uh, all of a sudden, he is going to get a vision of heaven. In Isaiah 6, 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Psalm 11, verse 4 says, the Lord is in his holy temple, The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. A true insight into history, says Mounts, is gained only when we view all things from the vantage point of the heavenly throne, close quote. We need to see things through the throne room of God, through God's eyes. And it is so hard because right now we don't see that throne room. And so most of us, I would imagine, need to spend a little bit more time uh, contemplating and spending time in the throne room of God. Is it possible for you to connect with that place? It is. When you go to your knees in prayer, you enter into the throne room of God. There is no longer a veil separating you from God. Amen? That veil was torn from top to bottom. We can now enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated through the veil of his flesh. We can enter how? Boldly, right? With confidence to a throne of what? Grace. That we might find mercy and help in time of need. I don't know about you, but I'm a needy man. I need God's grace 24-7. And this is what he says. He says, I saw 
the throne, I saw one sitting on the throne. He says, I saw the throne that was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. Now, you would think as John went into the throne room that there would probably be a lot of other things that he could describe, and, and, and he certainly is. In fact, he's going to move out from the throne in something like concentric circles out from the throne, but he starts at the throne because wouldn't your eyes go there too? Oh, yeah. Once you see that throne, man, you don't want to divert your eyes at all. And so he sees the throne there in heaven. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius. If you have the ESV NIV, it says a carnelian in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Now, this is not the emerald city in the Wizard of Oz, just so you all know. However, <laughs> it's a pretty cool image anyway. At least for old television, it was a pretty cool image. But he, he says, the one sitting on the throne, here's a key word, was like a jasper stone. When you hear people talk about simile, uh, simile is a comparison in like. So if someone says, it was like this, it was like a rainbow in the sky, and they're describing something else, they're using a simile. And the best John can do, because God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. He, he's describing God in a brilliant color of gemstones. And he starts with a jasper stone. One writer says, although God was upon the throne, he is spirit, and as such, he is holy without human form. And yet, almost contradictorily, he did, not, uh, he did not physically see him, but the colors of jasper, usually red, yellow, or brown in color, and, and uh, it's neither transparent or nor translucent, says one writer, and sardis, which is blood red, according to the JB, has a diamond and a ruby. Cornelian is reddish-brown stone that can be clear to semi-translucent, which were emanating from the throne, preventing John from seeing any form or substance. But he sees these incredible colors, reddish brown, perhaps some yellow. And when you think about God showing up, for example, on Mount Sinai, when the children of Israel saw God from a distance, they said, the description is that God is, there was fire all around him. In fact, Moses walked into fire. I thought only firemen did, did that, right? Moses walked into the fire and the people said, uh, you go first, Moses. Uh, just tell us what he said. This is the power of God. In fact, Hebrews 12, 29 says, our God is a consuming fire. Man, he is powerful, majestic. He reigns in majesty and glory. Amen. Well, our God is truly an awesome God. He is holy, powerful, majestic, and yet he loves you and me. Isn't it amazing when you get a glimpse of who God truly is? Our God is a consuming fire. You get a picture of Sinai, a picture of the worship in heaven, and then you think he loves me so much that he became human and died for me so that he could be with me, little old me. Man, that is humbling, my brother, my sister, my friend. And if you don't know that love, reach out to Jesus Christ today. Make him Lord and Savior, or come back home. If you've been wandering away, it's time to come back home. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and people do have a lot of questions about God. 
And one of them is, how can I have a relationship with this type of God that we just described, this God who's a consuming fire, who spoke the universe into existence? Well, the incredible thing is that the God of the Bible made you and me in his image. And we are image bearers of God. We have the Imago Dei from the Latin. And you know what God has done for us is so incredible. He made us in his image, but then he became one of us so that we could be back in fellowship with him. He made a way. Our sin separated us from God, and God became one of us to make a way. And the way that you come to know God is through his son, Jesus Christ. You ask him in. Yeah, God is big, but God is also intimate. He is accessible. Uh, to you and to me. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. And it is amazing. And maybe in some ways it's mysterious, but it's true. And it can happen for you and it can happen for me. All we got to do is reach out. I've done that. And I pray that you have as well or you will today. Now we've been learning about the word of God and the word of God is the key to answering questions that people have. The more you know God's word, the more you get to know who God is, and the more you can answer questions like this when friends or family ask you. And when you are thinking about growing, make sure that you listen to messages on our website at walkintruth.com. You know, there's been a lot of truths over the years that I've had to go back and revisit, and the website will allow you to do that. You can go back and listen to past teachings, review something that you heard in a recent message when you go to walkintruth.com. We'll come back tomorrow as we continue learning from Revelation chapter 4 about the glory and majesty of our God. It is awesome and how creation shows or reveals his glory as we get this continuing glimpse into the throne room of God. Look forward to it. We'll catch you then on Walk in Truth. Remember, you can listen to today's program and previous ones whenever you want on our website, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.